Live from the heartland and the crossroads of America, it's Tony Katz today. Welcome back, everybody, to Tony Katz today. I am your guest host today, Kira Davis. I am the author of Drawing Lines, Why Conservatives Must Begin to Battle Fiercely in the Arena of Ideas. Follow me on Twitter at Real Kira Davis. <coughs> oh, excuse me. I'm getting a little verklempt here because we've been talking a lot about crime and the absolute state of degradation of our city centers across the country. If you want to get in on this conversation, I don't know if you've noticed stores closing in your area. We talked about Walgreens closing in Massachusetts and Ayanna Presley blaming Walgreens and not the crime or the lack of prosecution of crime. Have you noticed businesses closing in your area? Give me a call up at Tony Katz today. The number is 317-239-9393. 317-239-9393. Um, before I get into this next story, I have a question for everybody. I asked this on Twitter. So today, my husband asked me to go to the movies tonight. And I didn't really want to go, not because I don't want to be with my husband or because I don't like the movies. I love going to the movies. But he wants to go see, you know, he wants to get these Oscar films. I I hate being depressed in a movie. So I I generally don't watch the Oscar nominated films. I saw a couple this year of the more popular ones. I loved Barbie. Yeah, I said it. But I I was like, oh, okay, well, fine, I'll go with you because he wants somebody to go to the movies with. But I said, you need a friend. And he was like, for what? And I'm like, to go to the movies with you. He said, guys don't go to the movies together. <laughs> I did not know that. Do got do men go to the movies together? I go with my girlfriends from time to time. Do men go to the movies together? There are a lot of people on Twitter who are saying uh, absolutely not. But if we do, we keep a seat between us. That seems to be the the standard. I don't know. Do men go to the movies together? 317-239-9393. Well, I want to talk about this story out of Indianapolis, actually, out of Indiana, excuse me, today. And if you're in the Indianapolis area, you may have heard this story covered on your in, in some of these news breaks, but it means a lot to me because I am involved in education. I'm an education activist and I ran for my school board here in Southern California last year. I lost. You may have heard me on Tony's show talking about the campaign. He invited me on. Tony's always been a great support, but one of the reasons I ran was because of this egregious sex ed curriculum that we have in California. It's insane. And some of you may have seen it exported to your own districts. Every bad idea gets exported out of California. So some places are taking steps to fight this. Indiana is one of those places. I'm actually reading this story off of the WIBC website, WIBC.com. A bill that's being considered in the Indiana State House would require all sex ed curriculum to be approved by local school boards and posted online. And if you're like me, your first reaction is, oh, I can't see the sex ed curriculum as it stands right now. In a lot of places, no, you can't. Here in California, I wish I was making this up. If you want to see what your teachers are talking to your kids about in school regarding sex, you have to go to the school and you have to sign in. So you show them your ID, all that you have to sign in and they'll they'll let you view the the curriculum that's that's on paper 
there's online curriculum that teachers use that's not that you can't see. But that's probably a whole other segment. But you can view the curriculum, but you have to do it at the school, at the front desk, in front of an observer, and you're not allowed to take pictures and you're not allowed to copy any of the text. I promise you, that is how it is here. That's insane. That's the law. So Indiana is trying to hedge their bets against that. Full support of that, I'll read on. This bill would require school board approval for any materials for grades 4 through 12 and supporters say it will increase transparency for parents to know what their children are being taught. It, again, um, a sidebar, it amazes me that we would have to have a law for that. That just seems like a no-brainer. Moving on. <clears throat> At the moment, parents have to give permission for their kids to take sex ed. Children are not required to take the class in Indiana. Here in California, it is a requirement. Not only is it a, require, is it a requirement, but LGBTQ plus all the other letters are also a specific requirement for sex ed education in this state. And here's how they get around any opt-outs. Here we don't we don't have an opt-in. We don't have a opt an automatic opt-out. Um, you're opted in unless you go in and and tell people. I. But here's how they get around that. They integrate the LGBTQ curriculum into every subject. That's a law. That, that is a recent law that was passed, uh, drafted by our Department of Education. And so it's nearly impossible because they actually don't have to notify you about any lessons they're doing in history class or literature or anything like that. That's how they get around it. So Indiana, here's Indiana saying, we don't want that here. Here's a quote from Micah Clark with the American Family Association of Indiana. He says, I think it's good for schools, parents, and school board members. It might even cause parents to address this with their child before the school does, which I think is a good thing since parents are the child's first teacher and primary influence. Critics of it say school boards already have the power to do this if they want to, and it would create more of a burden for teachers. Under its new requirements, I think many school districts who are already facing strains in terms of staff and resources will just throw up their hands and get rid of traditional sex education, said Jim May, a parent who opposes the bill and testified in front of lawmakers. Other critics said the bill is too broad and it could eliminate proper discussions to be had with the LBGTQ community. Okay, excuse the bleep out of me, but why do I have to have any discussions with the LGBT community or any community about what my children learn about sex in school. To me, I'm going to use this word again, this is absurd. I apologize for repeating that word over and over again, but again, I am running out of ways to describe this madness. Why should any parent feel that they have to consult? If you want to, Mr. Whoever, Jim May, a parent who opposes the bill, if you want to uh, have these discussions about traditional sex education or, or discussions with the LGBTQ community with your kid, you do that. Well, it was a big mistake. It was a big mistake to make sex ed 
a specific curriculum in school. We never should have done that. It, what a what a colossal mistake. We should teach health. We should teach the systems of the body. Everything else has been used as a Trojan horse to get an ideological agenda into school and in front of our kids under the noses of parents because no sane parent is okay with a stranger talking to their children about very intimate details about their sexual and romantic lives. Teach them how their bodies work because that's science, that's medicine. So we just welcomed in all of this absolute chaos. I'm going to read to you after uh, the, the break, which we'll take in a minute or two here. I'm going to read to you from this article I read on Psychology Today about chaos, because that's what I believe is, is being intentionally sown here. Utter chaos. We have brought this perverted, and I, I know of no other way to describe it. I'm really not trying to be partisan. I've seen the curriculum here in California. I was one of the parents. I was on Tony Katz's show way back then, years ago, seven years ago, when Tony Katz was starting out in radio. I was on his show fighting this sex ed curriculum in Sacramento and California, and we parents were called the most horrible things. Transphobes and homophobes, and, and we hate children, and all we were asking for was a seat at the table. All we were asking for was, hey, let us be in control of this very intimate information. No, I don't want my child watching pornography in classroom. I don't want my, my child having access to that. That's not a crazy thing. So we were fighting that all the way back then but we still got it. And now it's just entrenched. So now we have all this chaos in schools. We're teaching John that he can be Jane. Kids are confused. Their teachers are coming to class. One day, John, the next day, Jane. I don't know if you had the opportunity to see that story from a few months ago. Well, almost a year now. There's a teacher in Southern California who was a woman transitioning into a man and she detailed her top surgery, as they call it, but her double mastectomy, her journey on hormones, on her TikTok page, showing her nude body, showing her surgical scars. She had a queer library, which was, which contained literally pornographic materials in her classroom. She taught English. She had that in her classroom. That was a national story. That was my school district. That's the school district I ran to represent. And I, and I lost. That's chaos. Then you have these kids coming out of school and they're sitting in front of, you know, they're blocking traffic in Los Angeles and New York because they want to protest some, something in the Middle East that they know nothing about. They think it's brown people versus white people and they know nothing about it. They sit in the middle of traffic and block good people going to work because uh, of climate change. Somehow they're going to save the world doing that. They form these crime rings. They perpetrate these crimes. They get into positions of leadership and so utter chaos there. We're educating them into chaos. And then we wonder why everything around us seems suddenly chaotic. So good on Indiana for doing this. It's, it's absolutely necessary. I'm warning you. I'm telling you as someone from California who has lived this and is currently lived this, I still have a child in public school here. It's still a nightmare. I still have to do pro deprogramming all the time. I'm warning you. You do not want this. So yes, put these protections in and don't let anybody tell you that it's pointless or it's going to add a burden to, to teachers. What about the burden of parents? What about the burden of our kids? You guys are burdening us. Don't let anybody tell you that. It's absolutely not true. 
if you think that this is right, this guy says, oh, you know, we're all, we already do this. Why do we need, then what's wrong with just solidifying that then? You're the one with the underhanded agenda. Because yeah, you do know what this is coming after. It's coming after the perverts who want to have personal secret conversations with their children about their bodies and their sexuality. So yay, Indiana. Go, Indiana. All right, let's take a break. I'm Kira Davis. I'm filling in for Tony Katz, and you are listening to Tony Katz today. Welcome back to Tony Katz today. I'm your host, Kira Davis. Follow me on Twitter at RealKiraDavis, K-I-R-A. Our number today, if you want to call in and get in on the conversation, is 317-239-9393, 317-239-9393. At the break, I was just reading this very uh, intense and informative headline from The Root, which is a, a Black publication that is sort of attached to The Huffington Post. And here is the headline, Straight Black Men Are the White People of Black People. I can't, you can't make this stuff up again. That's why I do my podcast. Just listen to yourself where I ask people, people say things and they think they sound smart and they're, they haven't dug into them at all. It's just, oh, this is clever. This is going to get clicks. And by the way, that did because it's going viral right now. Oh, this, this makes sense. That makes absolutely no sense, but we're all supposed to look at it and go, wow. Yeah. What a thoughtful analysis. It's time to start saying no. To these people but I, I i think the time for reasoned discussion is over you cannot have reasonable discussions with insane people here is i was talking before the break about education indiana is considering this bill that would allow school boards to set their own sex, sex ed curriculums which that should be how it works. Your school board is supposed to be your most locally controlled body. Even in the state of California, which is why our governor is attacking the school board system as it stands, in the state of California, the, the governing body that has the most autonomy in our state, are, it's school boards. That was something I discovered when I was running. We don't use that power at all. When we try to use it, we get sued. That's what's happening in some California districts. Our AG, Rob Bonta, is suing a couple of districts who have uh, enacted parental uh, notification bills, simply notifying parents when something's going on with their kids at school. They're actually being sued by the state. So there are consequences for exercising your right to local control. So good on you, Indiana. But here's what happens when you let chaos take over. Headline from the New York Post, a new state-mandated tampon dispenser in Connecticut high school boys' bathroom ripped down within 20 minutes. That's right. You heard me right. In the state of Connecticut, they have mandated that boys' bathrooms contain uh, feminine hygiene products, I guess, for lack of a better term. We actually have the same rule here in California. And the day that they put a maxi pad dispenser in the boys' bathroom at our local high schools was the day that most janitors began to rebel. In fact, my daughter came home from school on that first day and said the janitors are in such a bad mood at school. They're being so mean to everyone because they spent most of their day 
peeling maxi pads off of walls and lockers and floors because what did high school boys do when they had these things in their restrooms? What do you think they did? They immediately acted like high school boys and started playing with them because, uh, because of course, it is absolutely ridiculous to put feminine hygiene products in a boy's bathroom. Boys don't have periods. Another absurd thing is that that is a controversial statement these days. Who does it serve? It serves no one. There weren't girl. Listen, everyone listen to me. Again, take off your partisan hat. Look at this objectively. Listen to me. Even girls who are, who are quote, transitioning to boys, even girls who think of themselves as boys and want to be treated like boys do not want to go to the boys' bathroom in a high school. Have you ever been inside a boys' restroom or a men's restroom for that matter? They're disgusting. And no female, whether she's transitioning or not, wants anything to do with a boy's bathroom. This is why double sinks are the key to a marriage. So it's all political. It's all ideological. It's all designed to sow more chaos, more uncertainty to erode traditional values, but also just common sense and biology and the rules and patterns that humans have to live by. These are people who are making decisions for our children that have, ab- that, that have nothing to do with reason, logic, biology, science, medicine, education. That's why when I read that last part of the, the, the article to you where that person was complaining about how this bill giving control to local school boards could make it harder to, to interact with the LGBTQ community on sex ed issues. That's why they're upset about that. It's the issue that they care about. They don't care about the kids. I had a quick story. I, I, I talked to a woman at a school board re, uh, meeting recently who came from another district to talk about her kid being secretly transitioned at a local school. And how she was not notified. She said her daughter went through this process. She she was transitioned under her mom's nose. And um, the mom had to take it by law and because she just didn't know. And she said, if I had known, I, I would have accepted her identity, really. And, but I would have explained to her the dangers of a medical transition. I would have asked her to wait. That's all I would have asked her to do. Just wait until you're older. And then you can decide. She didn't get that choice, so now her daughter is suffering the consequences of having her body carved up from this ideology. These teachers didn't tell her, and you know what she said? This struck me. She said, here's the thing. My daughter graduated from school two years ago, and all those teachers and all those administrators who, quote, took, them under, took her under their wings, they, they know nothing about her. They dumped her. The second she graduated, they didn't care anything about her. And who's here for her? Me. Not them. They disappeared. I'm the parent that will be here forever. We need to start keeping that in mind. These people don't have our children's forever in mind. I'm Kira Davis. You're listening to Tony Katz today. Catch you on the flip side.
Welcome back to Tony Katz Today. I'm your guest host, Kira Davis. You can follow me on Twitter at Real Kira Davis. Sign up for my Substack at justkiradavis.substack.com. We've got a caller. We've been talking about Indiana's uh, new law regarding sex ed curriculum and school boards. Caller Jeff, welcome to Tony Katz Today. How are you doing? Fine, thank you. Ms. Davis, thank you for everything that you do, your compassion, your intellect, and how you're filling in for Tony is outstanding. Thank um, you so much. I really appreciate that. You're, you're fine. I'm a follower. Um, I'm 66 years old. I remember when I was going through school, there was a thing called PTA where the teachers met with parents and you could see how your student was progressing or not, or if he was a good student or whatever. I don't know where that has gone, but I am so grateful that you're opening eyes, lifting blinders off of people because maybe I'm just old and I don't understand it, but what I'm seeing now, and I have grandchildren in school now, and I'm just an old guy, and I'm afraid that the system is the way that, you know, well, well one voice isn't going to matter. Well, I, I digress. I believe that one voice can matter, and I've made a difference mm-hmm. in my community, and I want to ensure everyone else that can speak up can make the same difference. Well, let me ask you, how did you make the difference in your community, Jeff? What did you do? I go and I attend to things where the this is just, I mean, right is wrong. The world is upside down. I mean, mm-hmm. I can't have girls using the restroom. And well, we're not going to go into all the details. But I do. I do everything in my community to try to help and, and sit in on school board meetings. And I'm wondering just how many. I wish they would do some kind of a, some kind of just figure this out and do a, I don't know what it's called, but try to find out how many people that are on the school board right now actually have kids going to school mm-hmm. back in the day they used to and now i don't even know that they even have any children why they change the agenda yeah that's a really good question i know on my school board we have seven members and one of the members has children currently in school and they, i know that they are in the public school system because that member was my opponent and uh but i think that's a great question but, but jeff I think the other question is if you do have kids in school, how many of those kids are actually in public school? I bet that'd be a more well, interesting question. You're exactly right. Three of them were. Now I was, I had the luxury of going to a Christian school in Georgia as a kid when we lived there, a stone mountain Christian school. And I had the luxury of doing that, but you know, a lot of people can't afford that. So now the public right? schools are completely take God out of it. Take, I'm not being anything against and trying to offend anyone. But I believe that that's where it started. You took that prayer out of school. You took everything out of the schools now that, you know, and well, look where we are. I mean, it's pretty evident. It's not an accident. That's a great observation, Jeff. Before I let you go, I have a really important question for you. Do men go to the movies with each other? My husband asked me to go to the movies tonight. And I said, oh, you need a friend to go with. And he said, men don't go to the movies together. I guess it depends on what you're watching. I'm not okay. going to say take a lady to go see Die Hard, right? <laughs> Fair enough. Sure Fair enough. I... <laughs> well, thank you, Jeff, so much for the call. God bless you out there. And have a great year. Enjoy Groundhog Day. Um, yeah, Jeff is absolutely right. I love that question. I wonder how many of these people have kids in school. That's a very relevant question. Now, you don't have to have kids in public school to run for school board. But it, it does matter when you're talking about people who 
are looking at parents going, you're the problem. So they're, they're, they don't participate in your community as a stance, you know, your community of parents. He's, Jeff also said there used to be the things called the PTA. I think he was really referring to parent teacher night, uh, which still happens, but you don't really get all the information there these days. I know in the part of the country that I live in, it, it always feels like you're just sort of on a conveyor belt. Um, and they just really want to get you through your kids, just a number. They're just a button seat. But since you did bring up the PTA, Jeff, I would like to explain this to people. And this is something that I learned as well when I was running for school board. What do you think about when you hear PTA? That's the Parent Teacher Association. You think of moms holding bake sales to support the school dance or get the school baseball team to the championships or whatever. That is the old PTA. The new PTA is the group that is helping to get this weird curriculum into your schools. That new PTA has a lot of power and it is run by progressives, not liberals, because liberals are fine. I don't have a problem with liberals. We just have political differences. But the progressive left is a whole different beast. And I think people are finding this out the hard way in our American cities, which is what the whole first hour of this show was about. But the PTA is no longer the bake sale club. The PTA has been ideologically seized. So I like to tell pairs this. If you're worried about the direction that things are going in, you, you don't want to do what I did, which is run for office, and I wouldn't recommend that for everyone. You don't have a lot of time and you feel helpless. You don't know what to do. One thing you can do is join your local PTA. If you have good sense, if you don't have any good sense, stay away. We got enough idiots running them. Join your local PTA. The PTA works in tandem with the teachers' unions. So all of those things that get slipped into your classroom, those after-school clubs. Oh, we have a Satan after-school club here in my district. I'm going to talk about that. But the PTA is where all that stuff originates. They raise funds for a lot of those things. They're the ones um, uh, supporting these clubs that might come into your school that you don't really like, the PTA has been completely infiltrated and it is a powerful organization. One PTA in New York City raised $7 million in a single year for their school. And you know where there's money, there's power. Where there's money, there's influence. You know that. So the PTA is very important and very powerful and it has been captured by the ideology that is now vexing us all. So that's a place where you can start. Now, I have friends who have done that and they've left because they just couldn't handle the insanity. But now is not a time of comfort, I'm afraid. Now is not the time to be comfortable. I know people like you and I, we want to live peacefully. We want to go to work, earn our money, pay our bills, come home, support our families, and spend time enjoying the American dream. And as a result, we want to keep our nose out of things. Unfortunately, we do not live in an era currently, right now, where we have the luxury of doing that. Because doing that has gotten us to where we are. So I know you're tired. I know you're uncomfortable. And I know you don't like conflict. But the conflict is now on our doorstep. 
Rational people have been pushed to the cliff's edge. We have no more yardage behind us to give. There is not one more step backwards we can take without completely crashing to the bottom. So let's do our die time in my mind. That's why I ran for school board. I am not a person of conflict. I really don't like making people feel bad. I don't like to feel bad. I don't like arguing with people. I'm not great in debates. I'm way too polite. <laughs> and I don't like it. It does make me uncomfortable. But at some point I'm looking around you know, I'm looking at my daughter coming home from school one day talking about how I got to use the bathroom really bad. Why didn't you use that school? Oh, no, I don't go to the bathroom at school. There's boys in there because we have these bathroom laws in California. So a whole group of teenage girls are now just holding it all day long because they're not safe at school. We don't have one more step to give. We don't have one more inch to give. So. Yeah, I hate to say it. I know you don't want to hear it, but now is the time when you're going to have to get uncomfortable. You're going to have to be tired. You're going to have to go to the school board meetings you don't want to go to. Last year, or 2022, I ran for my school board. It was a special election. Our rep quit, I ran. And it was, it was hellish. I lost. We had a chance to flip that board. I live in a fairly conservative area, at least you know, traditionally speaking, family-wise, but our board is completely owned by the teachers' union. And uh, so I lost. We didn't flip the board. This year, in fact, a couple weeks ago, notices were sent home to some elementary school parents that the Church of Satan was starting an after-school Satan club in one of our district elementary schools. That's what it was called, the after-school Satan club. It's literally called the Satan club. Look it up. Now, I won't get into it. It's a First Amendment play. This guy, Doug Messner is his name, but he calls himself Lucian Graves because, of course, he does. This is his First Amendment Trojan horse is exactly how he describes it in interviews. This is a Trojan horse. I take the Satan Club to schools to try to get the Christian schools out. So if you ban one religious group, you have to ban them all. And he's been quite successful with it. So they've landed here in our district. Suddenly, parents are calling me because they knew I ran and I may consider running again. And they called me, Kira, what do we do? What can we do? And my response is I gave you the thing to do, right? I told you, you we, we need to get out there and do a full court press to win the school board. And the voters were lazy. They didn't do it. And so now if you can't do it, you have to deal with the consequences as they stand. Here's the consequence. So I went to the school board meeting along with a, a, another group of parents the Satan clubs showed up, the Satanists showed up and talked about their lovely Satan club meeting. And uh, most parents, even liberal parents, were uncomfortable with it. Even the people that expressed support, it was iffy support. But I stood up there, and, and this is the other thing you have to understand. Our school board has now limited public comments to one minute. I do radio. I do podcasting. I'm used to that clock. I have figured out how to condense what I want to say. Most people can't do it. Regular Joes can't do it. That's deliberate, right? So I had one minute. So I went up there and I said, this is what I told them. A, I come to this meeting every week. I'm one of the only black parents standing in this room. And I have to listen to you lecture me about DEI and CRT and inclusion 
every week. You start out every meeting with that lecture about how all the rest of us are terrible and we need to be doing more inclusive things. When I stand up here, you guys treat me like I'm the scum of the earth and I'm consistently the only black parent up here. So let me talk to you about being a black parent. 80% of black Americans identify as Christians. Uh, Two thirds of Hispanics families across the nation identify as Catholic or Christian. So in minority communities, faith is a big deal. So you wanna be inclusive? Just know we ain't about this. This is not what we want. And this is how I ended my comments. I said, I ran for, to flip the school board last year and I lost. And this year, Satan shows up. So you do the math on that one. <laughs> I'll leave you to do the math on that one. Don't go anywhere. I'm Kira Davis filling in for Tony Katz and you are listening to Tony Katz today. Welcome back to Tony Katz today. I'm Kira Davis filling in for Tony on this beautiful Friday Groundhog Day. Puxatani Phil did not see a shadow. So you guys in colder climes other than California where I'm at, uh, rest assured, Puxatani Phil says you are not going to have another six weeks, uh, an extra six weeks of winter. But keep in mind, he's only right 40% of the time. So I guess how you look at that is going to depend on if you're a glass half full or <laughs> half empty. All right, we've got a caller on the line. We've got Jan. Hi, Jan. Welcome to Tony Katz today. Happy Groundhog Day. Oh, hi. Thanks. You too. Uh, um, tell me what's on your mind. I just had uh, just two comments to share a good and bad story, I guess. Two different mm -hmm. topics, but kind of both about sex ed. At, uh, back in about 2000, 2003, in that range, roughly, Hamilton Southeastern School District, which is, was an outstanding school district at that time in uh, Fishers, Indiana, a nice suburb, Anyway, they had um, a policy of uh, inviting the parents to a preview night before they were going to show the stuff to the kids. This was for like mm -hmm. fifth and sixth grade, seventh and eighth grade, so you could see the program they did. And they had a, a really good program called CPR, which was creating positive relationships that was a little bit beyond just the facts and figures of science, but a little bit about drawing a line, uh, right, talking about right. the underwear line, protecting everything under it, you know, <laughs> anyway, um, the, which was great that they, and it was a good opportunity to come in and see, it was an evening and it was nice for the parents. It was also a good, like little reminder warning that your, your kids are going to have this at school. If you don't want them to come, you could opt out, but also you could, um, be reminded that, yeah, you might want to talk to them about some of what they're going to see if it's beyond what you've already right. explained to them or you want to give them your morality with right. it. Fair warning. Right. But the other thing, the bad part was in seventh and eighth grade, they were using our students back in, like I said, 23 years ago to get data for the Kinsey Institute at IU, which was, you know, it has this really good wow. study. They were using them, making them, well, they would tell the parents you could come in and read it in the office, again, in front of the staff, in their like, lobby in front of the, you could read the survey. They were going to give all the kids the survey. Um, 
And if you wanted to opt your kid out, you could. Well, almost nobody could come in the middle of the day and sit there and read through and look at it. And all yeah. of the questions, they weren't horrible or anything, but they were very suggestive and they were yes. repeated so that they would be more informed. They feel like if they ask each person something two or three times and they get a consistent answer, it was fairly true. And it wasn't like telling you bad stuff. It was more they were collecting data. But what the, they're asking these kids sort of, when you're a kid that age, it sort of normalizes those behaviors or those experiences to those kids when they get asked this question, you know, three or four times different ways. Yeah. And they're answering, no, I don't know what you're talking about. You know, they feel I'm like an oddball. Just stop you right, right there, Jan, because we are running out of time and I've got to go to break. But, a bit, but thank you for that call, Jan. Thank you for that story. She's absolutely right. Everybody hear what she said? She said, you, you do this one thing, right? It always looks like one thing on the surface, right? And then, but then if you dig in, something else very insidious is happening. The Kinsey Institute is gathering all this. If, what's the Kinsey Institute? The Kinsey Institute um, studies sexuality and it has an agenda. It's an LGBTQ agenda, right or wrong, whether you want that or not, it still has its own agenda. So it's, this is not just innocent information. This is, these are not just innocent questions. Our children are being used as guinea pigs. All right, don't go away. When we come back, we'll be talking to Jennifer Van Lahr um, at Red State about RNC expenditures. I'm Kira Davis filling in for Tony Katz, and this is Tony Katz Today. <laughs> 